Before we get started, you should probably know that the following podcast contains strong language and conversations of an adult nature. Also, it will almost certainly contain spoilers. Hello and welcome to episode 14 of Strong Language and Violent Scenes, the podcast given a second chance to films that might not deserve it. I know what you're all thinking. That's not Mitch's voice. No, it's not. It's me. It's your old <laughs> pal Andy, the disgusting filmmaker for Round Your Way. Uh, <laughs> just I, thought we'd flip it up a wee bit here. Yeah, and uh, yeah. yeah, coming in second for once, I'm Mitch Vane. I'm a horror writer and an occasional doer of musical things. Yay! That's weird, we should do this more. Yeah. I like it. Um, and joining us tonight, you know him best, as one half of Dark Rift Films. He's also the director of The Creature Below, and the director of the Fright Fest 2018 selection, Book of Monsters. Joining us tonight, Mr. Stuart Sparks. Stuart, hello. Hey, thank you so much for having me, guys. This is awesome. Thank you for coming on. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. thanks for taking the time. Thank and, you for inviting me. Uh, You're very welcome. And while everyone's thanking everyone, thanks for bringing such an interesting pick to the table as well. <laughs> I'm glad, man. Like honestly, this is a film that I talk to so many people about, like at work and uh, sorry, oh. about, uh, work in other places. <laughs> and it's like, uh, honestly, no one's fucking heard of this movie, and it's really annoying because I'm like, you know, the guy who did the Mummy, he made this film about like squid monsters on a ship, and and I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? So like, uh, I'm glad that you guys can share in my appreciation of what is potentially one of my favourite of the 90s Monster Mash films. Yeah, this is what we're here to do, you know, speak up for the underseen and the <laughs> underrated and things like that. So I'm uh, glad to give you a chance to do it. So, um, yeah, let's get into it then with uh, just a little bit. Why did you choose this? What's your background with Deep Rising? Yeah, I must have seen it um, like on Channel 5 in the UK at some point late night. And it was one of those films that I didn't see for years after, but I always remembered it. And the only scene I could remember was the scene where the lady runs into the toilet and she gets sucked down the toilet by one of the tentacle monsters. (laughs) (laughs) And I used to describe that scene to people and they had no idea what I was talking about. And then I later tracked it down on DVD, which I still have here. It's like the first release of it. And yeah, I have watched it and tried to force people to watch it ever since. <laughs> I think it's currently out of print, actually. Is it actually? Yeah. yeah. Well, I was trying to find it on Blu-ray, and like, I was like, there's there's no copy of it. Although I think one, Screen Factory or someone's announced yep. one recently, yep, but it's Factory a US one. only one. So yeah, I'm gonna have to try and import that because yeah, it's really hard to find. <laughs> Screen Factory are picking up some good stuff. Yep, they're uh, doing some really good stuff actually right now. Yeah, giving a platform to some things that are... And some utter shite. I saw that they're putting out Munchie, which I don't know if you've ever seen Munchie. <laughs> I have not, no. It's, uh, it's Stuart, kinda... Stuart, you know this one? I've heard of it, yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's the kind of gremlinsy critters type little monster movie. Okay. We chop the monster up and uh, the little bits turn into other monsters. Um, <laughs> it's a pile of shit. Absolute pile of shit. But hey... Uh, that was a pretty good potted synopsis of it, though. Yeah. And 
<laughs> on the subject of potted synopses, um, Stuart, we have we make everyone do this at the start of the show. Just we kind of glossed over it on the way in, but you've gone for you've chosen Deep Rising from nineteen ninety eight tonight. Nineteen eighty eight. Nineteen ninety eight. That's right, right? Yeah, nineteen eighty eight. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so for yeah, ninety eight. So for the benefit of anyone who hasn't seen this and is listening to this episode, I'm not sure why they would do that, but some people do. Yep. Um, <laughs> so Stuart, we're going to give you thirty seconds on the count of three to catch people up as much as possible on the plot of Deep Rising. Are you ready? Okay, let's do this. Right. Let's do it. One, two, three, go. Yeah, so uh, Treat Williams is like a captain of this cool black speedboat and he's been hired to transport a group <laughs> of mercenaries into the middle of the ocean to rob the most expensive cruise ship in the world. But they get there, the passengers and crew are missing and while the mercenaries are like trying to rob the place, they find uh, Frank Johnson. I can never say her name right, so that's probably wrong, uh, who was on board to rob the ship as well. And then they discover that there's loads of technical monsters eating everyone on the ship and Treat Williams has to team up with the mercenaries Time. to fight the monsters. So just go... Oh. That was, got that was pretty good. That was pretty, <laughs> pretty damn close. That was pretty good, and I think that you you covered a lot of the important stuff because um, speaking of somebody who knew very little about this going in, mm-hmm. um, the first like half hour or so of this is extremely disorientating. We can get to that in more detail shortly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'd love to talk about that. But, yeah, like, um, <laughs> but, I mean, like, like so many so many different factions are introduced with so little explanation. That, well, and um, it's constantly intercutting between each little group, <laughs> yeah. and they have their own little intro theme music that kicks in really hard, and you're like, okay, we're back with these guys. It, oh, yeah. yeah, it's like wildly <laughs> hopping around. But um, yeah, well, there's no real, there's no clear cut good guys or bad guys in the film. No, not at all. It's it's like even the main you're introduced to Finnegan and he's on the ship and he's doing um uh, McCready playing with the computer. That's right. Yeah. Um, chatting mm-hmm. chatting shit to his to his colleagues and he's a bit of an arsehole really to be honest. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, he's, like he's an arsehole like right out of the gate. Like your first meeting yeah. is yeah. such a prick. <laughs> Like, he's very much like a, a, a Nathan Fillion in Firefly type of character in that he's he's very weathered and he's seen a lot of shit and he's got this really hard edge. But he treats like he's got Joey, um, he's, he's, he's this kind of like first mate, and he just treats him like absolute dog shit yeah. for like most of the film. Yeah. Um, with little disregard, even like later on he's getting beaten the shit out of by the mercenary guys. And he's like, I'm not going in there. I don't want to get hurt. And it's like, dude, you're like the main guy, aren't you? Uh, but eventually he does become that. He 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 shows his true colours. But yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting little crew that he's got. Yeah. yeah so Treat Williams... I think he's probably the the least kind of sexually appealing hero I've ever seen in a film. <laughs> like, just <laughs> he is completely devoid of any kind of. Uh, so originally they wanted Harrison Ford to play that role, right? Which you can understand. Yeah. You're like that would be fucking cool. Uh, it would increase the budget by about fifty million dollars or something. But uh, yeah, that's fine. Ultimately, Harrison Ford didn't do it. Treat Williams does it. Who he does a fine job, but. I kind of wish it was Bill Pullman. Oh, that would have been awesome, man. Yeah. yeah, Bill Pullman. That would have been sick. Like, yeah, he would have done an amazing job of the role. And the thing about Treat Williams is, I honestly couldn't name another film he's in. I can. He's the bad guy in The Phantom with Billy Zane. Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> what a film. For my sins, I have seen The Phantom. <laughs> I think it might just be That's me, awesome. actually. I think I might be the only person who's seen The Phantom. Yeah, I'm sure I've seen that. It's that... Yeah, Billy Zane, has he got, like, a purple costume? Oh, I looks... That's how... Yeah. He lives in the jungle and wears that costume and thinks that that's, yeah. a, that's a keen disguise for the jungle. <laughs> 
Um, yeah, but so we meet Finnegan, and we and it's explained in the kind of like the kind of opening blurb, the opening crawl that we are um, in the kind of South China Sea. We are, yeah, we're in the South China Sea, uh, um, which contains canyons deep enough to, to hide the Himalayas. Yeah, underwater underwater mountain range. Yeah, yeah. Um, pretty interesting. And yeah, like vessels keep disappearing with that explanation here. It's like a bit of a Bermuda Triangle thing going on. Okay, yeah, so yeah. Right, yeah. So yeah, but like um, so yeah, we get we get Finnegan, and uh, yeah, he's kind of chatting shit to Joey uh, Tooch, and also. Like um, kind of sassing Layla as well, another mm-hmm. one of the crew members who's doing some sort of hard labor on the deck of the ship. Yeah, she in sort um, of storm conditions, and he's kind of making fun of the fact that he doesn't have to do it. <laughs> this boat is a super high tech boat. It's kind of like Hulk Hogan's and Thunder in Paradise. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I can't believe you've seen that. That's brilliant. <laughs> but uh, it's obviously a set. It's controlled uh, like the boat is controlled by a joystick rather than your uh, your standard uh, ship's wheel. Um, I don't know if we ever find out the name of his boat, do we? No, that I, can... I, I can't call it at all. Uh, I, I, yeah, it's. I bet it's cool. It's I just bet a it's got super a cool sexy name. boat. Yeah. I'd love that boat. It just looks, it looks awesome. And uh, going back to what you're saying about the intro, that is one of the things I love about the film that it's got a proper text intro yeah. that sets up that ships go missing all the time, and then it fucking kicks in with that amazing Toho-like Godzilla. Da, 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 right, music. Yeah. and you're like yes i'm in for this film now this is awesome and you got the monster pov going under the water yeah. and you see like a ship from pretty much every time period in the same place because it's been eating all the ships <laughs> and it is just i'm like i mean this this is already giving me you know good feelings for the rest of this film <laughs> um what i like about um the kind of intro that we get to finnegan is that like i say we get the impression that he might be a little bit difficult to work with but um oh, oh really but Someone has this, but there's this conversation. I can't remember for the life of me who it is that has it with him. But there's this allusion to to like kind of the damn it, he gets results kind of thing. Yeah, oh, wow. <laughs> it's the kind of thing like, oh, I thought you'd be older, you know. Oh, you're Finnegan. I've heard loads about you, <laughs> as if it's building up this big backstory about him that he's he's seen things and he's done these amazing things. It's like Snake Plissken in Escape yeah. from New York, he's, where he... you hear that he's done all this stuff, but you never see it, and you're like, ah, that's good enough for me. That works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah it's, 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 that's literally never explored any yeah. further than that. But that's he's, kind of, <laughs> he's this kind of soldier of fortune type character, uh, who, yeah. Like, who's who has obviously been round the block a while. He's it doesn't particularly want to be working with this quite, let me just point out, quite a cosmopolitan, transcontinental group of pirates here. Like, I thought, like, ethnic, yeah. ethnic diversity-wise, <laughs> ahead of the curve, definitely. <laughs> yeah, you've got a, it's a, it's a, real, a real melting pot. But, um, Finnegan's also got a business head in his shoulders, because right, uh, right at the start, it's that uh, Hanover <laughs> says he's, um, he's obviously a little bit spooked by this whole, like, if the money's there, we don't care. Oh, yeah. I like yeah, that that's good. his mantra. Yeah, it's like it's, it sounds like he's like the way he does business is very bloodless, which I like <laughs> bloodless pursuit of money. <laughs> but like, yeah, we we kind of pivot out of that almost immediately. Like you say, the first of what is many a, a super abrupt cuts to something else that isn't immediately explained. And it's like, oh yeah, yeah. Just point out quickly that the boat even has its own theme tune. That's true. Uh, his That's, boat yeah. has a bombastic theme tune. It's great, and every time it, it like I was looking at it, and it was like the first thirty minutes. Every time it cuts back to that boat, it's like brown, brown, really upbeat, kind of like yeah. like almost like a LucasArts nineties adventure game. Yeah, yeah, music that, kicks in, that's spot on, and yeah. then you cut you cut back to the to the cruise ship, and it's like start of Indiana Jones Temple of Doom. There's the people in the Asian inspired outfits dancing around, and then it cuts back to the boat, and it's straight back with that music, and it is so fucking jarring, but I love it because it's pure cheese. <laughs> 
There are a lot of different uh, ethnic groups represented on board the Argonautica as well, certainly in terms yeah. of their, their entertainment. Um, yeah, although I did say that uh, when you see the party, it's got all the hallmarks of a lavish 90s party, which is uh, big band crooner music, roulette tables, and cultural appropriation. Yep. And, 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 uh, and no regard for health and safety with the massive no. Catherine wheel spinning in the background <laughs> yeah. that set everything on fire. They, that was warning signs for me immediately. And <laughs> true, se- yeah. sexy female bar staff that kiss each other. Yeah, that, some... I noticed that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, then um, uh, Canton, that's the character's name, isn't it? Uh, yeah, uh, Anthony Heald. Yes, uh, who, oh, right. Yeah, who Chilton. is uh, yeah, Dr. Chilton in the Hannibal movies. Yeah, he appears in kind of a dress, and you, this is where you get the background of the bafflingly entitled Argonautica. Yes. Um, yeah, it's brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant speech that he gives about, you know, like, my dream since being a young boy was to build the most expensive ship in the entire world, and look at all you rich people here. <laughs> <laughs> Money! It's, just, it's brilliant. He's just such a I dick love gold! <laughs> I love gold so much! It's <laughs> beautiful. Like, um, you were a weird fucking kid. Like, you, this was your dream to own a giant casino boat. Especially... <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> um, I must. I have to point out the fact that he, and that he uses the that when he's talking about his aspiration, he describes it as a pleasure ship. Yeah, which I yeah. think, like, yeah. would, which coming out of a seven-year-old's mouth would be really fucking strange. But like, what do you, <laughs> what, what do you want to do when you grow up? I want to build the world's largest and most lavish pleasure ship. Like, fucking hell, man. Okay. When I was when I was a little kid, I just wanted a bogey collector. <laughs> like. Uh, there was, uh, I don't know. That just, was as far as my aspirations went. Just, maybe, maybe to own Castle Grayskull. You just, like, you just keep reaching for that rainbow, man. You can make it happen. <laughs> um. So, I what get, else is it all for? We um immediately double back again. We get like we see enough of that to just get the backstory of the Argonautica. Um, and then we're back on the first ship, and I think that it is at this point that we get our first proper look at the ethnically diverse squad of mercenaries. Yeah, that are on the ship. Yeah. What a bunch of fucking assholes! There's a oh, lot honestly, of... it's like they they watched Aliens and they went, "We want that. We want the you know the camaraderie, and we want to you know these guys have been on missions together. But you know, like in Aliens, let's have that. But they're all massive dicks, yeah. who <laughs> are unlikable people who you want to die from the off. That's basically what they wrote in there. Totally. I feel like that. I feel like all of their dialogues written by someone who has had the notion of like masculine ma- like macho banter explained to them but they've <laughs> yeah. actually never heard it they're just yeah. like oh it's like you know it's like there's a bit of camaraderie but they mostly just kind of give each other shit because everything is, yeah. is unbelievably mean-spirited and within like 30 <laughs> se- within like 30 seconds they pull guns and knives on each other and stuff yeah. and it's like this is not the kind of like lad chat that i was expecting they, they torture one of their own till the point where he vomits yeah, yeah, and he's blowing the smoke in his face. It's yeah. like, it feels like a 10-year-old wrote that scene, and he's like, yeah, I'm going to go sleep with every woman, a woman from every country in the world. Yeah, well, if you came to my country, I'll eat you. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, my God. You guys are supposed to be trained killers. You're like, what the fuck? This, like, this is what they do all day. Um, God. And, yeah, like, um, uh, some extremely harsh treatment for uh, old Joey. Uh, teach here, who's um, having to be rummage around. So he uh, um, on the ship and comes come, like stumbles across the torpedoes, and then so they <laughs> they kind of like make out like they're going to interrogate him about it, and then but very quickly just start kicking seven bells of shit out of him. 
to the point where you, he, he really should have serious internal bleeding, but then the next scene, they're just stitching up a little scratch on his forehead. Yeah. Yeah. And because... they're like, you know, you could have got hurt there, man. He's like, he was kicking the shit out of him. And then Treat Williams is just like, I'm not going in there. I don't want to get hurt. He, do he doesn't even care. It's just... Yeah, it, they're such a lovely crew. They all take care of each other. I, I actually hadn't clocked that at all until you mentioned it. But like, yeah, they're they're battering him for a really long time, yeah. and I was kind of, and I and I did kind of think I was like, is this boy just gonna die? And then like, yeah. and then like, yeah, like literally in the next scene, he's just like, oh, I was pretty sore. He actually, <laughs> he actually gets the shit kicked out him for the whole film. Yeah, um, yeah, it's kind um, of a recurring thing. He's <laughs> just constantly getting slapped and tripped up, and they like, just treat him like absolute garbage. Which, yeah, which while comes across as quite cruel at the same time he's a bit of a pain in the fucking ass oh yeah the, the, the character is just supremely annoying to everyone else but the audience he's like the the main source of joy for the audience because he has so many great little scenes like later on when he's just like he's just cr crouching over something he's like what do you got there he's like a peanut it's just a peanut and he kind of plops it in the water and there's a little bloop sound and then later on he's like he's humming the elevator music and he's just he is that guy you do not want in the horror film around you but it, yeah it's constantly getting bitch slapped and stuff but he's i mean is it kevin kevin o'connor kevin o'connor yeah yeah he's yeah uh, and he's in the mummy he's like the same character but they made him on the the villain side completely yeah, he's benny, but he's still that but yeah benny the bumbling kind of guy and i mean it, it, the treat williams's character as well is almost like a bit of a template for a rick o'connell in yeah in the mummy as well it's like they went well that worked these two characters work we'll just move those over there uh but make them slightly more heroic um and yeah it just it, you can see steven Summers kind of finding his feet in this one in terms of the action horror template he wanted to move over with um, and Mummy's another film I absolutely love as well. Yeah, I like The Mummy. Um, the film takes this long to make it clear what the arrangement is between Finnegan's crew and the mercenaries. Because it's only at this point when they kind of like when they start talking about once they've kind of intervened and stopped Joey getting barred. Mm -hmm. But they talk about the kind of the terms of the agreement and you kind of it was well maybe it's just me being slow, but that's when I kind of got a graph got a grasp of what the arrangement was between them. Yeah, it's a simple it's a transport mission. Yeah, and it is it's it's Finnegan's crew driving the mercenary ship, right? Is that correct? Well, no, that no, no, it's Finnegan's ship. Finnegan's ship. Finnegan's ship. Finnegan's ship. Finnegan's ship. He's tra they're transporting the mercenaries to the Argonautica. Yes, uh -huh. um, for reasons that will become clear as we progress through this. But uh, certainly, uh, his sole job, his reason for being, his raison d'être, is to get these this squad of assholes. Uh, to the Argonautica <laughs> while trying to avoid a massive dick swinging contest between the lot of them and blatant and overt threats against his life and the lives of his crew. Yeah. Mm. yeah pretty much constantly through the whole film he's threatened with death and all, you know, he's always comes back at him with a little one-liner. That's that's the way he is. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he keeps a pretty level head in the face of the like kind of constant threats and abuse that he gets, I must say. But, um... Again, we jump back to the uh, Argonautica at this point, and this is our um, our first real exposure to Famke Jansen's character, uh, Chilean. Yep. And apologies in advance if uh, uh, Famke Xenia on a top happens to be listening to this because we don't know how to pronounce your name, so <laughs> we are just going to stumble our way through this in uh, the hope that somehow we hit right on it. Yeah. Yeah. If, like if if we try if we try enough variations, we're going to get it right. But um. 
Yeah, she's kind of she's kind of skulking around on the ship, and she gets um, apprehended. Yeah, the frankly ludicrously named Trillian St James, by the way. Oh, it's pretty. <laughs> she could be a Bond girl in this as well. Like the name's perfect. Absolutely. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Yep, yeah, man. She's uh, she's got that sneaky Catwoman sex appeal thing going on. Absolutely. Yeah, she's yeah. blowing. She's blowing the bubble gum when you see her there. She's standing out, and you're like, "Oh, something's gone on with her." And uh, <laughs> it's a really good intro to the character. Like, I think uh, you got the big casino thing, and she's there popping the bubble gum, stealing key cards, um, and then you, you get that kind of first ominous monster roar from the ocean when she's kind of like yeah. looking over the balcony, and that that's what gets me going every time. Then monster roars. It's good. Good sound design. It's uh, it's very good in this film. So she, yeah, like she gets she gets hauled up, like you said, for the steel steel and and, and stuff. She gets kind of put away in a kind of holding pen for basically. Yeah, she gets caught trying to access a vault. Yes, that's um, right. At this point, I am kind of thinking that like I'd momentarily forgotten that I was watching a monster movie because it's introduced like a lot of kind of fairly intriguing strands. Mm-hmm. And it's straight after this that a saboteur on the ship disables all the navigation, and you don't know. Well, obviously, you kind of assume that he's one of the mercenaries, but at the same time, I'm kind of I I was more thinking where that plot was going without even necessarily stopping to think that there was going to be like a technical beast about to appear. You thought you were going down a kind of under siege versus a kind of speed two kind of thing, didn't you? I mean, like yeah, kind of. That I, well, I mean, obviously, I didn't. I kind of I vaguely <laughs> knew what this was about, but at the same time, I'd kind of let myself get hooked into the idea that that was where it was going. Yeah, I mean, aside from a few kind of sound effects of monsters, it is like a heist film meets, yeah, Under Siege, pretty much, um, all the, for quite a while, actually. It never kind of gives you any clue that there's anything else going on other than, like, roars in the distance. And I think that's kind of good, because it's, it's, it's the whole kind of uh, From Dust Till Dawn type of thing, where it's a, it's a great crime film to begin with, yeah. and then suddenly becomes vampires in a strip club. <laughs> um, and I've and I've said before on the show that a lot of the kind of a lot of horror stuff that appeals to me the most is things that like that feel like they set out to be doing something different and then kind of casually introduce a horror element later, which I think is what this does. Yeah, it does it really well, and um, it, it, even like uh, once we get further into it, like the way they reveal the monsters is very slow and drawn out. You really don't see one physically on screen; you only kind of feel the effects of it. And and if you went into this film not having seen the trailer and not knowing there was monsters in, and you kind of just put this on on the TV, you'd be pleasantly surprised, I think, as it kind of evolved. Definitely, yeah, yeah. I, I think like it's like I say, it's you're it's difficult to kind of it's difficult to say for sure going in when you know what it's about. But I think that I got I kind of wish I'd gone in blind to this in a way, just so I could have kind of been surprised by that. But um, something does collide with the Ar- Argonautica at this point. At this point, a non-specific something, and the kind of I think the the chaos that ensues after the boats hit is really well done. Oh yeah, oh it's 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 awesome, isn't it? It's it's like a proper disaster movie. People flying off balconies, smashing through glass. There's like a scene where people are running down the corridor, getting brutally trampled with some really bone crunching sound effects, mm-hmm. and but- you're really like, holy shit! Like this is getting a bit intense. And yeah, yeah, it all leads up to that amazing woman being sucked down the toilet scene, which <laughs> is you know, <laughs> it's, it's it's amazing. Of all the kind of great deaths in uh, horror movie history, it's yeah. up there. <laughs> she chooses to kind of, I guess, seek refuge in the toilet in the midst of the chaos. Am, am I right in thinking that? Yeah, if you, I, I get the feeling that she's yeah. kind of hiding in there. And she kind of stumbles backwards onto the pan, and it's at that point that she's she's grabbed and the big kind of geezer of blood sprays over the mirror. <laughs> 
Super it's just beautiful. Cool. I mean, cool. whoever pitched that, whoever came up with that specific idea, is a fucking genius. <laughs> <laughs> and um, no, uh, I kind of I had to rewind and rewatch right. what happens next, which is when Finnegan's ship is hit by the speedboat. Speedboat that's cast loose from the wreckage. Yeah, yeah, because they yeah. like set they do set that up in like a shot, and initially because it's like a Chekhov's gun type of shot, you're like, oh, that's going to be the boat they escape on later on, or something like that. But it's like, yeah, he, he plows into it, uh, ship gets damaged, and it's your classic Millennium Falcon malfunction. There's flames everywhere, mm-hmm. the hyperdrive's gone down, and and uh, you got Joey trying to fix it, and the mercenaries. And uh, this this is the beginning of the mercenaries blaming Finnegan for every single fucking thing that happens <laughs> until they physically see him. Also, like people getting eaten and killed, and they're like, "What have you done, Finnegan?" <laughs> Pointing guns in his face. It's like, "Come on, dude!" Like there's a fucking half a guy over there. It gets really ridiculous, and it's like the running joke. <laughs> That's such a good show. It's like, "What are you up to now?" Do you know yeah, what? Yeah, every time. <laughs> Do you know what I love? The uh, rather than uh, be constantly fucking about with uh, changing cartridges and magazines on their machine guns, relatively <laughs> small machine guns, they're just like, uh, yeah, they've got a thousand round capacity, and then we're just like, so that means we never once need to bother about reloading, and no one, oh, can, it, no one can give genius. us any trouble for it. <laughs> that is genius fucking writing right there. Like, yeah, thousand rounds of clip, like ro- rotating Gatling gun type. <laughs> machine guns and they just again they clearly went you know in aliens um you know they've got that cool gun can we have that and he's like yeah it's auto cooling watertight it's the same as the drop ship scene when um he's kind of listing off all the cool guns they've got they've got that in there describing the cool weapons and that gun like those guns are play quite a big part in the film and there's there's another one of the great running jokes in it is that finnegan's always getting his hands on a gun and they got they're like nope give it to me and eventually he finally gets one and it's kind of his bit of a hero moment in the corridor later on but yeah, yeah those guns are sick <laughs> <laughs> see when the see when the mercenaries like obviously once you we it's around this time we find out that their their plan the entire time has been to rob the Argonautica and they go on to do it and obviously when they get there everything's destroyed see considering how much they were absolutely savaging each other over nothing when we saw them initially. I think it's really interesting that nobody made fun of the mercenary that described the boat as spooky town. <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot there's a lot of um stinker lines from the mercenaries in the film though as they're kind of exploring the ship. Um when they're kind of walking around and spooky shit's happening. They seem like the dumbest group of idiots to ever have existed, especially considering their job is to go around and shoot people um, f- f- in this situation. Um, it's Yeah, there's some beautiful lines in there. I wish I'd written some of them down. <laughs> Unfortunately, I can't even bloody recall one right now. Quite often I'm like, oh, hurry up and die because I can't listen to you anymore. The Australian guy in particular <laughs> I find quite jarring. Oh, like... <laughs> oh, yeah. He was the first to go, though, wasn't he, in the end? T-Bone, T-Ray, T-Ray, that was it. Yeah, he's, he goes pretty quickly, but I've got to be honest, I'm pretty glad about that. <laughs> Speaking of people that go early, mm-hmm. um, we lose Layla and the mercenary that were both left behind on Finnegan ship pretty yeah, shortly well, after this. They're both, they both killed by the same monster at the same time. I thought the way that that character was introduced, I thought that she was going to be in it for the long haul. Oh yeah, no, 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 no. That's, that's silly to think that. <laughs> Have <laughs> I just not seen enough stuff? Yeah. No, I kind of thought she was going to be. Uh, I thought she was going to be a mainstay. Wrong again. There's only room for one kind of female lead in these '90s movies, man. You know, they they they've got the the femme fatale. Yep. And and unfortunately, she had to go. Yep. 
That's all there is to it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's that's as simple as that. <laughs> <laughs> so we, what happens is they have to go. They have to board the Argonautica to scavenge materials yes. to fix uh, Finnegan's ship, so they can get back on the road and get out of here once they've completed their objective. Correct. Yeah. Yeah, and then it really, really doesn't go to plan. Yeah, it's it feels like the film um, that kind of whole we've got to get the parts to fix the ship. Um, although it was like their secondary objective. It, they keep having to do that, and that whole kind of subplot of we need these parts lasts for about a good hour. Mm-hmm. And I, I, when I was watching it the other night, I kind of looked at it, where we are in the film, and there's like the last half an hour revolves around, oh, crap, I dropped them half an hour ago. We've got to go back now to get them again. Because <laughs> they realized they can only run around this ship so much, so he had to drop the parts for him to go and get it again. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. That didn't even occur to me. <laughs> <laughs> That's the whole plot of the film. We got to find the past to fix the ship. That surely there was other lifeboats on that ship. Yeah, like ones that would have survived the hit. I seem to recall a moment where Famke Hansen, I'm going to just call her Trillion, as uh, she's trying to break into like a glass cabinet to get some keys, which I was assuming were perhaps for an escape vehicle. Um, I guess it could have that, been the jet ski. Oh, well, that was for the jet ski yeah. later on, wasn't it? When yeah, she has to get been. that. Could have been, yeah. And so we've got um uh can like uh it's Canton accidentally kills a mercenary at this point. Oh, kinda, that's you, fucking amazing! It is that's a brilliant point so of film. Good. Money, uh, money, 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 money. <laughs> <laughs> and then there is a great effect. Axe straight to the fucking head, and he's down. And then yeah, it's just beautiful. <laughs> uh, it's a, actually it's a super effective scene because you don't expect it for a minute. I think by this point you've seen some of the you've seen quite a lot of the mercenaries get dragged off um, down corridors. I think you see the one guy who kind of gets bashed from pillar to post in the water. Um, yeah, which, that's right before, which is I really think. cool. And I think certainly when you watch it for the first time, you immediately expect it to be, or I always did expect it to be a, a big reveal of the monster. Yeah, they they keep you going for that for quite a while. They don't let you see it for ages. Like the guys get dragged. The the two mercenaries when they're like trying to find the past to fix the ship, are just kind of getting picked off. And the first death has always bothered me because he's kind of looking around for ages and then some cables come down, jump, fake jump scare. And then he kind of walks off, gets pulled out. And then there's like three separate shots where he gets whipped under the water. There's a shot of him flying through the water and then just, just like a shot of a wall and some blood just goes... <laughs> it's like the cheapest way where they went, we really don't have any money for this guy, so let's just do that. The second guy gets like bashed to fuck around loads of pipes and then yeah it's they, they make you wait but i think the first reveal of the monster like is really well done and it's clearly where they spent all the cgi budget because after that it goes pretty downhill yeah <laughs> i mean like you've got some pretty rapid fire like rapid fire sequences of monster attacks at this point and yeah. i think that like what you're saying about kind of delaying the reveal it works really well because and i think well, i think the reason that it works really well is because Every time the monster attacks, you don't see it, but it's absolute chaos every time it does. Mm-hmm. Like it's a massive event every time it happens. It's like it's. Um, I was actually I have got written down that this might be the film with the most prolonged periods of gunfire that I've ever seen. 
<laughs> well, it's when they first go on the ship and they get startled by something and they all start firing Predator style yeah. in the jungle type of thing. And then they're all laughing at how much fun it is and then they just keep doing it for ages. <laughs> and Finn- Finnegan just goes, shh. <laughs> It's great. Do I get your money's worth out of these expensive guns? What's the point in having a thousand <laughs> rounds in your in one gun if you're not going to fire off a couple of them? Exactly. Like, you can, you can yeah. Spare them. You can spare those rounds. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> you're right, though. Yeah. They, yeah. There's, there's no sense of being conservative with ammo if you once uh, if you once shelled out for the for the thousand rounders. The, there's a bit where they um, they all go into the elevator. Oh, this is good. When uh, when Joey's uh, singing along to Girl from Ipanema in the elevator, and the elevator then is separated and crashes down. Um, crashes down like 40 stories. Yeah. Um, yeah. That would kill all of them, surely. <laughs> surely that... I always thought that. I yeah. always thought that. Like, But they're all perfectly fine. They get up. No one um, dies. I, yeah, it always confused me because they kind of wake up at the bottom of it and there's all this blood and I was like oh my god are they what are they not dead but then yeah you get that awesome reveal of the the digested remains in the corridor of all the people who are kind of like the flesh has been eaten away and that is just brilliant point in the film where they kind of realize that this shit is about to go down I love all the corpses in this and um, they're really really well made like they're really juicy yeah they're really juicy something slimy. I look for in my corpses I like <laughs> yeah, yeah. they've got like they've got kind of personality still to their faces like you can tell that they're kind of contorted in pain like they've got mouths opening like big white <laughs> white eyeballs and they, like, they do a really good job with the sound design. Like you can hear the screams echoing of all the people, and there's like there's like women, men, and children kind of like mixed in there. And it's really fucking creepy as well. <laughs> um, right about this point, they managed to get the information at a canton. This is a really good. This is a good twist as well. I think. Yeah. Yeah. That the whole thing, this whole plan, ultimately, has been kind of choreographed by Canton bringing the mercenaries on board as a, a $487.6 million insurance scam. To It's a good twist. Yeah. He spent all this money building the ship, then realised the ship wasn't likely to make any money. I see, like, I, mean, I remember thinking, like, when he when he kind of confessed this, uh, for, a lifelong as- for a lifelong aspiration, <laughs> it's like, this is extremely poorly planned because this is obviously, like, wildly unprofitable. And like... <laughs> but then Joey says something to him, like, uh, he says something to Canton like, "You mean we're in this shit because you fucked up the math or something like that?" Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, he, not, and he's like, "I simply misjudged the market." It's like yeah. by a pretty yeah, fucking yeah, large yeah. margin, pal. But he does. He, <laughs> Joey does address it with him, like the fact that this was a pretty big fucking, uh, pretty big fucking boo boo on your part. Yeah, misfire. Um, the ship seemed pretty busy though earlier on. Like it yeah. wasn't like there wasn't like one or two people bobbing around. It was all the rich people. Yeah, and, and uh, casinos are known to be quite profitable. Like if, if yeah, the house always wins. Yeah, exactly. And it's like if uh, yeah, if the boat is unprofitable, it's not from lack of interest. Because yeah. the, the party was stout, people everywhere, and like yeah, all rich people. Um, we one of our favorite monster moments in coming. Oh, amazing! Uh, my favorite moment in the film. I would be inclined to agree. Speaks very, uh, speaks very closely to my heart and the kind of th- the kind of films that I that I love, the kind of films that I make. Uh, this moment is very, very me. Stuff like this moment and the moment in Robocop with the acid. Yes, um, definitely. They are just those timeless effects where you're just like, that's fucking disgusting. I love it. Give me more. It, 
it's great. It's like, uh, and again, it's like you watch the mummy and like the effect of the guy kind of half digested and he turns his face and his skull's exposed mm-hmm. is what they did with the mummy eventually, but kind of much better. And um, yeah, it's fucking horrible. Like when you first see that. And again, that was one of my kind of early memories of the film because I must have watched it when I was quite young. It fucking terrifies me, mm. honestly. The guy's like screaming as well, and, and he's got his looking at his own hand, and that's yeah, our first. That's I think that's our first big reveal of the actual monster itself as well, yeah. where it kind of uncoils and it's it's the tentacle with the kind of exposed more. Yeah, it's that uh, it's, it's that real alien good. moment where um, yeah. the slime starts dripping down onto on a Joey, uh, and I think he, oh, it's great. Yeah, he kind of looks up, and then it's uh, it's right above him. And it's it's kind of they did it in Anaconda as well, where they kind of cut it open, and there was the guy kind of I think it was John Voight, wasn't he? He was kind of like oh, half yeah. melted. It does look a weird wink. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. I've got to have those anacondas. Yeah, that really weird accent in that film. That that was the scariest thing about that film. John Voight. <laughs> but no, when I'm yeah, when he spits him out, and you like say like when you first get the look of the kind of victim. Yeah. And when he looks like at the kind of the giant hole in his hand, I was pretty blindsided by that. I didn't expect it to be so gross. I thought it was brilliant. I think it's. I think it holds up. It really does. Like if yeah, you look it's at, fantastic. If you look at this film, and then you look at things that came not long after films like Hollow Man, mm. which might even have been the same year, the effects in this hold up ten times better than Hollow Man. It really does hold up, and like I mean, granted, I'm watching a DVD copy that was probably one of the worst transfers <laughs> <laughs> that exists for this film. Um, but yeah, it, it's the first as well of many good kind of prolonged monster deaths in the film as well. Uh, there's some really good ones that come up later on, uh, which I'm sure we'll get into. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the creature design is it's good. It's really good. After this, there's more. There's just a lot of running around and firing guns for a good fifteen to twenty minutes. And then, yeah, you've got your tremors. You got your tremors moment where that scene, the ground's popping up. It's fantastic, and the camera's kind the of co- careering down in the corridor. Where again, Treat Williams finds himself with a gun, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, and the door at the end's kind of buckling, and the walls are buckling. Yeah, that's great. It's great. And then it's it all fantastic. just fucking goes. <laughs> it all just goes and fucking it- crazy. And it has that classic 90s thing of it's like we realise the monster reacts to sound and he, he grabs his gun and very slowly drags it towards him and it does that kind of like they've just cut the frame rate in half but they didn't shoot it in slow motion. So oh, it's yeah. just like this really juddery slow motion gunshot. which is your telltale 90s slow motion kind of something. Oh, this is important guys shot. Um, but it's kind of part of the charm of the film I think is that you don't really see that stuff anymore in, in films. Um, yeah. And yeah, the big monster reveal as it's kind of coming towards him, CGI, that's fantastic. And uh, yeah, um, Trillian kind of comes back at that point, saves him. And this is the kind of point in the film where these guys really do become the heroes because he has that kind of great moment where she's like, look, you know, if you get me off this ship, Al, and he's like, um, what, you'll do anything for me? And he's like, will you get me a cold beer? And you're like, ah, he's cool. He's not going to exploit her. (laughs) 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 And uh, yeah, they're they're both going, yeah, right, we're going to team up and escape and uh, they're away. Yeah, she's not going to be forced into a life of servitude like Princess (laughs) Leia. (laughs) Um, and not, yeah, at this point, I think like the, it kind of it fairly hastily whittles down to like the group of people that are kind of going to mostly see out the end of this thing. 
yeah, yeah. So you, you got the captain guy, the kind of uh, <laughs> there was a bit earlier when I'm Anth- Hanover. Yeah, where there's a bit earlier when Anthony healed backhands, uh, fan key uh, Anderson. Yeah, and, like, he kind of <laughs> he just kind of tosses off a kind of what is like a disrespectful backhand, and and the, the captain guy's just like, we'll, we'll, we'll have no more of that. <laughs> like, <laughs> you're just like, but I really like the captain, and he gets such he gets a really gross death as well, where he's kind of yeah, he, he's like, he gets a great great kind of alien style pull through the wall floor in Alien Resurrection type yeah. of death oh he reminded me of the is the kind of the um cafe in tremors where the shop owner kind of gets pulled oh. into the ground and it's it's coming around him and kind of pulls him in um and you you got canton just fucking not giving him any help at all <laughs> <laughs> but he's such a slimy gross bastard like, he, he, he's so good in the film that i think his yeah. performance it's it's kind of after that point they don't even fucking run off or anything they have a conversation in that same walkway where the captain's just been eaten and he's like he's like do you not know about these eels that live beneath the earth at ten thousand feet they're this big imagine this and it's like why does he fucking know about this like what has he got you know uh, but he's so slimy and his glasses are half broken he's kind of pushing them up his sweaty face and it's like oh, fucking he has got a sweaty you. face yeah <laughs> um, just to, um, i'm assuming we were, i'm assuming there we were talking about the uh, the archaea of toya family of uh of uh, oh, you, subaquatic you know it, worms yeah i mean um, <laughs> canton's not the only person that knows about the uh, archaea of toya family of subaquatic uh <laughs> See, like, but I remember thinking it was just like because I think a lot of the time with stuff like this, you have to have that moment where someone just kind of drops like a massive cliff notes bomb right. about whatever you're facing. To. I just didn't expect it to be him. I wouldn't have expected it to be a casino owner. <laughs> you know, it's Captain maybe, maybe his other childhood um, dream was to be a marine biologist or something <laughs> yeah. like that. It's literally and, exactly what I was about to say. Captain, <laughs> Captain Hanover, I think, would be the man who might have a bit more savvy about that, or one of the one of the the remaining mercenaries, maybe. Um, maybe, but, yeah. Like I, when I was stationed in the South Pacific, there was yeah. these things. But no, he's just he knows everything. This guy, and it's the way he describes them. They drink you. They drink you alive. <laughs> and you're like, oh, nice. <laughs> Did you also know that in Brazil there is a fish that will swim up your cock? Like, <laughs> you're like, oh, why do you know all this? <laughs> why do you know about these horrible, it's horrible like, worms? Yeah, it's, like, it's just a hobby of mine. Yeah. I assure you. Yeah. I'm just like, oh, why have you acquired all this weirdly specific gross biology knowledge? <laughs> now, I don't know if this is canon, right? Okay. But I was doing some research. <laughs> good, uh, good, good. And a lot of places refer to the creature itself as Octalus. Octalus. I looked that up as well, and I believe it was, wasn't it like one of the original titles or something like that in, in a country? Oh, really? On the um but yeah it's like the classic thing of like i was like oh, i'll do a bit of youtubing and there's those great there's fantastic channels that are like analyzing the monster in this film and it was like i was watching it was like the octolus was approximately 50 feet tall and it was like i was like wow this is fucking sick <laughs> yeah thanks. it has a name it's awesome thanks very much canton series of movie monsters <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they were all produced by his company after it went but... hey argonautica films <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I wish I called 
our production company that. Fuck, that's an awesome name. <laughs> <laughs> um, we lose another missionary around this time. In, Is this uh, Jason Fleming? Yeah, Mulligan, one of the scenes I enjoyed the most when he kind of, I think he, he gives trying to kill the creature a pretty square go. Um, he thinks he's he thinks he's done it basically mm-hmm. starts kind of taunting yeah. it openly <laughs> and then just turns around and just gets immediately um, wiped out one of the more unconvincing deaths I've got to be honest uh, yeah. yeah but as like yeah as a piece of comic timing I thought it was pretty funny so. yeah. I mean it's up there with the with the kind of deep blue sea Samuel L. Jackson death yeah I mean he has the honour Jason Fleming I mean he's really good performance in that he's like giving it 100% yeah I think he's but generally he the- quite good yeah, he has the honour of like that classic death of he's ranting and raving and everyone else in the room sees that there's something behind him. He's like, oh no, oh no, it's not behind me, is it? And it's just, it's just such a cliche, but brilliantly executed. But it, it gives you that kind of, it gives you that kind of double bluff where you think for a minute, oh, how cool was that that he's spun round like just as it's about to attack yeah. him. You're like, yes, he's fucking what a guy, what a fucking hero, and then it like immediately destroys him. <laughs> <laughs> um, one kind of a there was something here that I, th- I thought was kind of cool and kind of creepy um, when it kind of dawns on your remaining kind of survivors that the well as they think it is at the time monsters mm-hmm. um, are herding them into the bow of the ship and kind of like mm. you know, just like shutting off the roots um, which I thought was kind of cool but not as cool as the actual reveal of the bow of the ship which was fucking brilliant oh that is awesome that's yeah there's your gooey bodies again your juicy tasty corpses yeah. uh, in this film are fucking awesome and yeah you got the screams there and everything and that's just that's one of the things I love about monster movies is like the mythology around them mm-hmm. and like the way that it is herding them as you say into the ship to the basically the feeding ground or I guess that is where yeah, it's the dump. That's the big toilet, I guess, because surely they've digested them and they're kind of dumping them out oh, at that, yeah, that stage. Yeah, that's right. So it's oh, just a yeah. big shitter. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's made me view it in a totally different way. <laughs> yeah, I had it in my head. It was some kind of big pantry, but uh, <laughs> no. keeping them fresh for later. Big disgusting, slimy toilet. Yeah. Wow. Wow. So just like just like as you were as you were saying that sentence aloud, Stuart was like, that's fucking revolting. <laughs> that makes it even better. Yeah, it does. It totally does. <laughs> um I want to touch on something because we we don't have too much story left to mention it. I have a conf- I have a confession to make. I fucking hate Joey. Right? Okay. Oh, what? Yeah, no. I, like um right from the off, a total sad sack. Hated him. Uh by the by this point I was profoundly irritated that he wasn't dead. <laughs> oh, oh what? You no, mean- no, he has the best... I mean, this leads on to the best sequence in the film for me, oh, character-wise, with uh, Joey and Hanover running down the corridor, and it's the kind of classic villain and, and hero are kind of thrust together. They're both trying to escape, and Hanover's such a fucking dick, he like, shoots him in the leg to leave him behind, and he's like stuck there. And um, yeah, Joey managed to escape, but then like when he shows up again... He's been half eaten. <laughs> Gives him the gun to fucking top himself. <laughs> and then he tries to shoot him again. And I'm like, this is great. It's so well played out as like a little mini sub story in the film. It's it, great. It, that is a really good sequence. Joey's, Joey's like that. Uh, when he tries to shoot him again, he's like, watch my leg! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that scene um, where, uh, where Wes Studi's character's being slowly eaten by the, the creature. Yeah. Really good. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's like screaming and it's slowly pulling him in further in its jaws. Yeah. It's just fucking horrific. And it's he's brilliant. Got, he's got this kind of look of quiet fear on his face, but he's not saying anything. There's just this real slurpy kind of... <laughs> in the background. <laughs> um, fucking hell, you've done that before, haven't you? <laughs> um, Ask around. See, I feel, I, feel, I, feel, I feel like now you've said that, I feel kind of bad for having written in my notes Hanover is killed after trying to be the hero of the piece and kill Joey. Sorry, guys. Joey's great. I, I think, he, yeah, he's annoying as fuck, and everyone in the film comments on that fact, but. <laughs> I think you need you need him in there. He, he brightens up every scene he's in, and uh, you know you have the kind of uh, when when at the end, you know he's like alive again, and you're like, oh yay! I was genuinely happy for him, and I bet you were like, fucking hell, here he comes. I was like this fucking guy. <laughs> when you saw him just bobbing around in the sea like, at the end, yeah. just like ah like, fuck, let him die. I, I don't want I don't want to jump ahead to the end too quickly. But oh no no no, we're, like, we're, we're missing a lot. I know of stuff. we'll cycle back, oh, but just like but just while you brought that up, see when obviously Trillian and Finnegan mm-hmm. get to the island and they have their kind of like big romantic moment at the end. And then you see Joey swimming through the water and he's like, oh, did I have water in my eyes? Or did I just see some lip action for you two? It's like, oh, enjoy that fucking third wheel for all eternity. But that's a... But <laughs> 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 there and then. <laughs> he just, he just grabs his head and fucking shoves it up. <laughs> he, wash, he washed up like this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He washed up beaten to death. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's perfect with drive. coconuts. Uh, but no, obviously, uh, we have like got some huge stuff to get through. Yeah, because um, because yeah. like because you like you say, I mean, like uh, so much of the first two acts is kind of uh, scavenging for parts and that kind of thing. And, and machine then, gun fire. And machine gun fire. <laughs> but then, like, there's for somehow those two things converge into this ending that has so much stuff to wrap up. Oh, it's yeah. amazing. It's like the final, the third act of the film, like from the point when they get on the boat and he's like, right, we're going to go back to get the parts, to get back here, to come and do this. But first, I've got to rescue the girl because she's been kidnapped by this guy. You're like, <laughs> right, there's a clear, clear goal. And it fucking ramps up the action where you've got the confrontation with um, Dr. Chilton. I can't remember his fucking name. Ch- Canton. 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 Yeah. yeah, he's there and he's still fucking around and he's got his little shotgun. And um, it's just, yeah, that whole end sequence with the whole back and forth with getting the keys for the jet ski. It, it, it could have been to the point where you were really fucking sick of it because it goes on for ages. The, hour, the film's like an hour and 45 minutes long when it, it really didn't yeah. need to be. But... <laughs> It, it keeps escalating the action like all great action films do. And uh, it just really works. Yeah, I mean, like, considering, like, like you say, when you kind of realise what the kind of machinations of the plan is, or are, should I say, to get them uh, to get out, I remember thinking, I was like, looking at the runtime and how much was left, and I was like, fucking hell, that's a lot of steps. Um, <laughs> but, like... Uh, yeah, it's very much not the straight line from A to B thing. It's like the breakfast-making machine from Wallace and Gromit. Like, I was, I was like this, this is intricate. But, like, um... But <laughs> That's for, such a weird thing to say. But for, but for that, I don't, th- I, I, I don't think it outstays its welcome. No, 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 no. Um, I think it, it moves through all that stuff pretty efficiently. Um, Do you know what I think's fucking super bold? Um, like when uh, Doctor Chilton uh, jumps 
I don't know, a hundred feet from the oh yeah from the ship onto the smaller boat below and like breaks his legs and it shatters his legs his into bone fucking comes out. Ah, and then he's just kind of crawling along the ground and agony to get to the steering wheel. He's like ah, <laughs> it's like this guy's a fucking machine. Like this guy's amazing. It's it's such a great because he's such a a loathsome evil character and he does go through the ringer towards the end of the oh, film very much so. like that's hugely satisfying oh what? yeah brilliant and it's the classic kind of heading towards the the shit with the and, and the card game from the first fucking scene that you'll have no doubt forgotten oh, yeah. by the end comes up and it's like game over game over and he goes nah! <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's that's you know that's what i lived for when i was like 10 that kind of shit every time <laughs> and I did it I did it again revisiting it every time he jumps off the ship I expect a tentacle to grab him oh aye and then he crashes down and shatters his shatters his shins to pieces and I'm like oh that's worse <laughs> that, oh, man. that's one of the things in films that always makes me cringe like I can watch anything but bones coming through the skin from like a leg break well, is always really disturbing to me. It's funny yeah. you should say that, man. I'm exactly the same. That that's one thing. Uh, that, like, I've, and my my tolerance for stuff is pretty high. And for some reason, that always I'm just like, oh god. I'm a bit like that with uh, teeth and fingernails. Yeah, fingernails being pulled yeah. off is horrifying. Oh so yeah, yeah. That's, that's why minging. when I when I made split, I thought let's do a scene in that where I pull off fingernails. <laughs> I'll challenge myself. Mm. And then I was like, that's <laughs> disgusting. I was like, well, just vomiting yeah. constantly. Yeah, like, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> he do, he gets a a deserved death, I think. And while he while we are ramping up towards his death, possibly one of the most heroic scenes that's ever been committed to serialized taking place. Go on, go on. <laughs> I think you know the incredible chase scene where. Finnegan is driving a jet ski through the tight corridors, yeah. the tight flooding corridors of the Argonautica, while being pursued by, let's call it Octolus, right? Octolus <laughs> is hot on his tail, a screaming, howling maw of saliva and tentacles, cascading down the corridor after him. All the while, Finnegan is holding a shotgun, which he is firing over his shoulder while Fanky Jansen, who is astride the back of the jet ski, reloads it for him. Yeah, and he's got to shoot the elevator button to open it before he gets there and crashes yeah. and explodes. And he just does it every time, like three times. It seems like that corridor Easy. is fucking long. <laughs> Actually, I'm taking back what I said about him having no sex appeal. In that moment. Yeah, he's a yeah. very in fucking mo- sexy guy in that <laughs> yeah. moment. In that moment, he... he, he yeah. Maybe it's, maybe it's a testament to how kind of invested or involved I was at this point that it was only when you described it so bluntly just now that I was like, that's fucking nonsense. In the moment I was in the moment I was like, yeah, son, you fucking go. Yeah. He's taking corners, he's crashing into the walls. Yeah. Ah ah He's still like, going. I didn't really I didn't realise how much ridiculousness was coexisting with itself in that scene until you until you said it like that. Has anyone here seen uh The Force Awakens? Yes. Yes. Yeah. There's a big screaming ball of, t- of tentacles in the force. Ah, the raptors. Yeah. Yeah, I feel it like, is basically that. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like these <laughs> those creatures were borrowed quite liberally from Octolus. Definitely, and I was going to say about the jet ski escape scene. It is John Connor on the back of the motorbike with the Terminator being chased by the T1000 as well. Yeah. Like the whole ah. thing of like he just looks so fucking badass. He does those cool slow motion jumps and lands, fires perfectly at the elevator door button. 
and yeah it pulls off these fucking insane kind of like turns and the monster is just fucking yeah i, I put a screaming hall of of guts is how i described it just fucking <laughs> yeah, pouring after it pretty accurate. <laughs> yeah. that's reasonable and it it is it is your classic i mean like uh, aliens is probably my favorite film of all time and it is that kind of like just great escape sequence where the music is perfectly orchestrated and the action is great and when they finally kind of blast out the fucking door and it blows up it's just it is cinematic perfection oh there we go <laughs> <laughs> but it is a very classic moment, that firing out with a fireball behind you. Yeah. <laughs> you don't um, see enough of that these days unless the rock's in it. True. True. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, like right in that moment, yeah, we lose Canton simultaneously. Yeah. Um, in fact, um, we actually lose Canton moments before this because right. uh, the fireball is a direct result of Canton... Yeah, uh, um, crashing the boat into the Yeah, the boat has been set to... I guess autopilot. Autopilot, yeah. Um, yeah. Auto captain. Um, and yeah, it, because it's got all the torpedoes on board. Yeah, it's now armed with torpedoes and it careens in at the side of the Argonautica, causing an enormous fireball. And obviously wiping out Canton in the process. Yeah, and sadly, Octalus. Yeah, we lose Octalus. Well, or has it? Dun, dun, dun. Uh, yeah, but no, I was kind of like, <laughs> poor one out for Octalus at that moment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, yeah, they so yeah they make they make their escape on the on the jet skis from the variable and uh, yeah make it to the island the island and then it's the best kind of like teaser for a, a possible sequel called Monster Island where the yeah the trees shake there's <laughs> something there's more it seems like there's multiple fucking things coming towards them from all directions yeah I was I was and... that, I was wondering if the whole island was like primordial. Like yeah, I was like, uh, my first thought was that they are on top of a giant octolus that has like trees and shit growing out of it. I like, I, I, like... I, I kind of thought it was that. Am I the only person here that's going to mention that Skull Island's in the South China Sea? Oh yeah, yeah, man. Oh. What if this is directly tied to uh, you know Universal's new MonsterVerse? There you go. They laid the seeds that long ago. There you go. Kong Skull Island, it's there. Like one something that's just slowly starting to become a recurring theme in this. Uh, on this podcast is crackpot crackpot shared universe theory. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I, I excuse me, crackpot. My theory's my theory has legs. Oh, sorry, <laughs> it's sound, it's sound. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, sorry, crack crackpot. I'm doing you a disservice there. But I um uh yeah um I I welcome them, especially if if you know there's even the faintest shred of evidence to back them up. Yeah, yeah, but I agree. It's like as a as a kind of teaser ending for a sequel that we sadly never got. Um, I think it's it's up there. It's it's just it's a great ending because I I mean I don't think it was ever like gonna be they were setting up a sequel. It's just a fun kind of ha ha ending that you leave the cinema going ha that was good <laughs> like yeah, it's the a stinger. It's, it's just a nice little stinger, and it is. This is before you had to put it after the credits and sit through twenty minutes of credits. It's just a fun little ending to the film, and I think it just kind of opens up the the universe of of Deep Rising to 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 explore further things. And um, yeah, I, I would have liked a sequel, but it, it certainly is a film that stands well on its own. And um, yeah, I think Stephen Summers kind of kind of took it a bit further with with what he did with the Mummy after that. Yeah. Mm. I love that it also ends on a kind of jokey line because we've come, we've kind of, because um, <laughs> yeah. Finnegan has his catchphrase, which is now what the best most used. It's used so many times in the film yeah. that catchphrase, and it is such a. It's like they were like, what do we come up with for a catchphrase? 
What about now what? It's like yeah. such a fucking simple yeah. catchphrase, but it's great. It works and so well. I love that it completely betrays the gravity of the situation. <laughs> like, yeah. It's like such a it's such a feeble thing to say in the face of what they're potentially going to be faced with. Yeah, that's that's totally what makes it funny. Yeah. Um and I yeah, think I think definitely. it's an amazing ending. I think it's a, an absolutely great ending. Um but yeah, uh now what is one of what I think is a few things uh, that would put together a pretty good deep rising drinking game. Oh yeah, <laughs> you know there's a yeah. Good, yeah. Go on then, yeah. chuck out chuck out some other rules. I'm 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 open to I'm open to contributions here because I feel because like, I feel any time like, there's machine gun fire. No, I was gonna say yeah, I was I, literally I, about to say that. You've been pushed it. Any time there was ridiculous, yeah, machine gun fire. Any time Finnegan says something cocky in response yeah. to a life threatening situation. Yeah. Um, anytime I mean, Finnegan. <laughs> anytime Finnegan gets his hands on a firearm. And then do- has it taken away immediately? Anytime yeah. they, anytime they have to backtrack and go back to somewhere they've been earlier, <laughs> <laughs> that's fucking class. Anytime yeah. a mercenary dies, naturally. Yeah, there we go. We're already was, steaming. Yeah, aye, oh yeah, you're yeah, sad, you, you, but you're you're also like you're going to be passed out by the time you get to the third act. So. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> so the tagline of this film was "Full scream ahead." Love it. Which. <laughs> Which is fucking lovely. I think when you've got a tagline like that, which is kind of cheesy, it's not putting you under any false illusions about the kind of film that you're going to see. Um, no, definitely. I mean, I'm looking at the, the the DVD right now, and it literally has full screen ahead in the biggest font on the back. <laughs> and, then, and then I love how the critics, the, the critic quotes are fantastic. Oh, go on. Titanic with teeth. Oh, yeah. Um, and then the other one's, great stunts, tremendous effects. <laughs> <laughs> And then um, <laughs> that's totally like got, an Amazon review yeah. that gives it five stars for arriving on yeah. time. It's like the lamest one. And then you've got Deep Rising is far better conceived, designed, directed, and produced than Titanic. More scary than Godzilla. And well, it's like more it. scary. Do you not mean scarier? Um, Godzilla. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, who's, who, sorry, I have to know who is that quote attributed to? That was the London Evening Standard. There we go. What? Who you know, was, uh... It was better designed, directed, and produced than Titanic. <laughs> <laughs> that <laughs> is what this film is, and I fucking believe that. <laughs> take, take that, It Cameron. certainly was scarier than Godzilla. I mean, come on. Yeah, yeah. I, I presu- I'm presuming at this point in time we're talking about 1998's Godzilla, the Roland Emmerich Godzilla. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. It's contemporary, of course. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Whose uh, quote was the one that was just like, it has a, it has decent effects. Good, great stunts. That was the express on Sunday. That was it. That, <laughs> that, course, that, yeah. that totally sounds like um, the rest of that was going to be like the cinema seat was comfortable. Yeah, it's better. <laughs> it's better than some films, but worse than others. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's very noncommittal. I like it. Yeah. Uh, well, like, I mean, yeah. The, the, the front quote on the on the box says a head-on collision between Titanic and Alien. Well, so clearly go, trying yeah. to ride off the success of Titanic at the time. Yeah, very much um, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not all critics were such vocal fans, though. This oh. film made its way onto Roger Ebert's most hated films list. <laughs> yeah. so, yeah, actually, that's but, brilliant. Yeah. Yep. But so, Ebert's a massive prick, so, you know, you shouldn't listen to what he said. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, um, I, let's not speak Kill of the Dead. He, um, uh, just, no, we shouldn't. Just as a total sideline, um, Rod, uh, Roger Ebert wrote a review of you know, uh, Switchblade Romance, uh, High Tension. Mm-hmm. And it's got one of my of my favorite lines from any review ever. He gives it one star, one uh, thumb, one. Th- uh, well, it's uh, <laughs> well, it was, it was after the Gene Siskel days. Oh, so I think right, it, was okay. like a, it was like a half star out of four. But um, basically, his contention for one of the things that he didn't like about it was obviously in that film you have a scene where if the ending adds up the way it does, um, 
the killer has to be both driving a truck and also hiding in the back of it at the same time. Mm-hmm. So his contention is that doesn't make any fucking sense, which is true. But his conclusion of it was he said that it had a plot hole that was not only so big that you could drive a truck through it, that it literally drove a truck through it, which I think is fucking <laughs> hilarious. Well. <laughs> Mitch, let me give you another piece of information here, Mitch. Oh, please do, please do. Um, the soundtrack, as we've discussed, the uh, hilarious John T soundtrack, yes, um, was composed by Jerry Goldsmith, right? Mm. Um, who from this point on could potentially uh, hold the the crown for the being the the king of aquatic horror. He also did Leviathan. <laughs> oh, did he? Oh, uh, brilliant. Yeah, he also scored Leviathan, which we've done on the show. I was going to say, this is, this makes me also want to start bringing up some kind of scorecard about how frequently people, either in front or behind the camera, appear on this podcast. Their work appears in the podcast. I'd be quite curious to know that. Well, so far we've got Jerry Goldsmith with two and Peter Weller with two. Peter Weller with two, yeah, so, as well. Oh, yeah, yeah, of course. Buckaroo. Buckaroo. Yeah, yeah, Buckaroo and Leviathan. Mm-hmm. So, Andy, we've seen this a bunch of times. Yeah. Take anything new out of it this time around? Nope. <laughs> uh, I guess that settles that. Loved it when I saw it before. Loved it watching it again. Um, it does get a bit of a bad rap, but I think it's wholly undeserved. I think the film's a lot of fun from the get go. It knows exactly what it is. Stephen Summers crucially knows what it is, and it's the exact same thing he took onto every other film in his career. It's a popcorn monster movie, um, and I think if you analyse it as being anything more than that. Then you will find things to criticise, but if you view yeah. it with a with a the kind of prerequisite level of just you just want to watch something daft. Yep. Then Deep Rising's absolutely the film you should be watching. It's fucking great, it's yeah, smashing. It's, it's the like you say, it's the second aquatic horror film that we've done on the show. Mm-hmm. Um, I preferred this to Leviathan by a margin. Cool. Uh, it mean, was a it was a first watch for me. Um, Leviathan is particularly heavy-handed and quite poor-faced by comparison yeah this is it like um i I guess a a comparison would be that this is aliens to leviathan's alien oh that's good so i I feel like that is the way you should look at it Mm -hmm. it's a lot more fun it's bombastic it's it's nonsense whereas alien and leviathan are very serious very claustrophobic very insular yeah i think like you're you're probably quite right that i think that you know there's elements of this that don't stand up to closer examination but they're also not really supposed to i think that like if yeah if if you read in too far you like you will find stuff but you're also very much in danger of missing the point yeah which is just it's a ridiculous film it's just it's it really just kind of lets you um you just switch your brain off enjoy it get get some friends around have a few beers and if you want to watch something that there aren't a lot of films like this anymore the r-rated big budget well pretty big budget for the time kind of monster epic because uh, you've got loads of gore and you've got comedy all wrapped up in a film that is essentially aliens as, as it says, aliens meets Titanic. Yep. <laughs> you really don't see that stuff anymore because your big monster movies now, in the, for the mainstream audience, are like Rampage and things yeah. like that. Well, and I'll be honest, I'm expecting big things um, from the Meg. Oh yeah, see, the, oh yeah, you completely caught me out there. In fact, that is exactly <laughs> the, the type of thing that I'm hoping it, it really nails that. And, and looking at the trailers, it does seem to know what it is. Because mm-hmm. I think, was it an Eli Roth project originally? Was, that yeah, he was, yeah. trying to get he was, going origi- he and, was originally um, he was originally slated as the to, to direct it. No, I th- I, like I agree with the Meg. I think that like the, one of the reasons that I'm really, I'm looking forward to seeing it so much is 
when you saw the trailer and also you talk about taglines pleased to eat you <laughs> like you uh, i was like yeah, like, yeah it's like fuck i haven't seen one of these in a while yeah, yeah get, sign me up for this if you go looking for um something like a like a godzilla or a skull island or something then deep rising's absolutely not the film for you because you're wanting something far more po-faced than deep rising's got for you deep deep I- rising's just I would say that um, this kind of thing can be very hit or miss for me. So I had a lot of fun with this. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm glad I've seen it. So th- th- uh, it's a good selection, I think. Like, oh, good. But, I'm really glad you enjoyed it, man. I was going to say partially because I enjoyed it, but also just because there's so much to unpack in there. Like, there's so much to talk about. <laughs> and I still feel like we've barely scraped the surface. I feel like there's a lot of stuff that kind of slips through, um, kind of just slips through the cracks a little bit. Kind of gets lost yeah, I always in... defend it because I'm always like, I now I've watched it so many times. Like, it's a really well written and really well directed film. Mm-hmm. Um, like all the character beats are like always on point. Like no one acts complete, you know, out of character at any point. Yeah. Um, they're already while some of them are kind of caricatures of your, of your, your type of character you get in these films. But like, it's all really well played out and like everything's set up. Like no one shot of something is there for no reason everything plays on there's like the bit earlier on when i was watching last night like trillions there chewing the gum and blowing bubbles Mm. 20 minutes later in the film there's a shot of a security camera and she slaps the gum on it and i was like oh shit i would have not noticed that on the first view and that's like a second viewing thing that's why she was chewing the gum to get by the cameras and and all the little moments with um the mercenaries and the banter between them and um finnegan all plays off itself the whole thing with the exchanging of the guns and, and the building of the trust is it's really well played and it, yeah. it gives you a nice kind of depth to these characters that in a lot of these films you're just like when are they gonna die well you have a <laughs> you have a, a joey as well when he's in the lift and he's singing girl from ipanema because it's on the um like what is that song i know that and he's like let's oh, get yeah. from ipanema and then a few scenes later he's still singing girl from ipanema <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> no, there's, uh, there's yeah there's a few kind of like uh long payoff oh, do you know what i love i love we forgot to touch on this there's a bit where uh, uh he tells him there's a big monologue about uh octopus sent or a fish in a bottle uh yeah um <laughs> where he's talking That's about great. put it like they put it with an octopus and they, within five minutes the octopus had figured out how to open the bottle got in the bottle and was eating the fish and like it's something like we are the fish um, and I'm just like, yeah, that's fucking amazing. <laughs> that's another, that's another Canton uh, marine biologist exploration, isn't it? Yeah, I think yeah. it might be. Yeah, you know, this guy, by the way, he knows everything, man. He knows it all. Man. Yeah, it's font of knowledge. Um, it's like Aquaman. <laughs> uh, Stuart, before we wrap up, we want to take a minute to uh, to talk about Book of Monsters. Yeah. Which, uh, after a really successful Kickstarter, is now going to Fright Fest for the world premiere. Yeah, it's really, really exciting, actually. Like, we um, we had our first film at Fright Fest in the the first year they did First Blood, um, 2016. The Shepherd's we Bush like, year, wasn't it, yeah? Yeah, it was the, the one year that we were at Shepherd's Bush. And, um, yeah, really lucky to get in. Because um, Fright Fest, um, they're, they're so supportive of independent filmmakers, especially yeah. British ones. Well, ones from all over the world. And um, they... Uh, we're kind of to put it in we had an amazing experience and basically we we took all the feedback because it was like the first time you we had a big festival experience 
And Fright Fest were like, here's what we liked about it. Here's what we really fucking didn't like about it. They're really <laughs> honest about it. And we took that feedback. And we took the feedback from people we spoke to at the festival, went away and went, right, what what type of film do we really want to make? We want to make monster films. I think that's definitely something like myself and Paul Buller, we've been making films for like 10 years now. We just like, we just want to make monster films. Let's not kid ourselves about it. And it's like, what's better than six monsters invading an 18th birthday party and having all the girls there team up to fight them and send them back to hell thought that'd be a really fun <laughs> idea and um thankfully the the kickstart did um really really well um it's like insane we were like the third most funded horror in the uk and like 15th in the world on on kickstarter at the time which was fucking sick yeah, um and like we just had some amazing support like people who'd like seen the creature blow at fright fest were kind of like sharing it and stuff um and then yeah, we managed to get the budget, and we we shot it over like 15 days. Um, it was a crazy shoot, and I think we've we've really kind of learned all our lessons from the first film. And I really think we've got kind of a, a really entertaining film. And you'll see when you do eventually see the film, like stuff like Deep Rising. That is the type of films that I want to make. Just yeah. entertainment, popcorn, monsters, no pissing about. Let's just have some fun. And I really just, me and Paul were just like, we want to make a film where at the end, the audience has at least screamed once, um, <laughs> cheered and maybe shit themselves as well. <laughs> but ultimately leave the, leave the film with like a big smile on their face going, I really enjoyed that. Like something you want to show your mates. Well, um, so yeah, hopefully it's just a really fun film, and um, yeah, really proud of the cast and crew and everyone because they've all worked their asses off. So yeah, no, well, we're, we're intro- both we'll both be at the screening. We'll so. both well, well, that awesome, bring, guys. That brings me on to this and an interesting kind of quirk of fate, um, and I'm finally allowed to talk about this because by the time this episode goes out, it will it will have been announced. Um, but a year and just over a year and a bit ago, I produced a short film called Mannequins for my friend Dave Malcolm from uh, Random Elements Films, and he's helped me with some of my. He's worked on some of my stuff, and he had this idea to do a, a short, uh, his first short, and asked me if uh, I'd be able to help him with it. And I said, "Yeah, man, no problem. Give me a read at it." And I thought it was weird, and I thought, "Yeah, fuck, I'll help you with this." And uh, yeah, he's just found out that not only is Mannequin's going to have its world premiere at Fright Fest, but it will in fact open for Book of Monsters. So similar to yourself, hugely proud of Dave. That's a massive fucking, massive thing to happen on your first shot. Um, and massively proud of the, the cast, as it, as it were. And uh, yeah, all the crew. And yeah, super pleased to be there for it. And so that's, that's yeah, uh, kind of... that's awesome, man. Like... Yeah, it's kind of weird. A great twist of fate that we're yeah. like together as well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we'll have to uh, celebrate because it's it's um, pretty much the it's pretty much our cast and crew screening like because we're still kind of busy f- been finalizing post production ready for Fright Fest. Yeah, like right. this will be the first time <laughs> cast and crew see it, so awesome. we'll all be going out afterwards, guys. You got to come with us. Definitely, man. <laughs> well, that's uh, that's generally what I come down for. <laughs> Quite often, as as much as I love watching films, I I, I like attending Fright Fest for the social side of it. Um, yeah, films definitely. are films are great, but they they don't allow much. Of opportunity for uh, socializing as it were but i always like to try and squeeze something in yeah i'm I'm gonna be there all weekend i'll probably uh, i try and kind of fill up my dance card as much as possible with catching stuff but um uh yeah i'm hoping to get around get around do a little bit more socializing too yeah, it'd be nice. It'd be nice to see. It's true. Yeah, and then we just I normally appear. I normally appear for like five ten minutes and then disappear off to another screening. But I, I'm going to try and hang around a little more. You kind of see me uh, getting increasingly drunk in increments. 
Yeah, it's true. <laughs> like, you're like, he seems okay, and then next time you see me, he's like, he seems a bit further gone, and then the next time you're like, oh, that's it, tops that's it. off. Yep, yep. His, away. his tops yep. off, his trousers are down. Uh... <laughs> um, before we wrap up, uh, anywhere or where can people catch up with you on social media, Stuart? Uh, yeah, you can um, follow Dark Rift Films on uh, Facebook or Twitter, and also uh, if you want to find out a bit more about what we do, um, darkriffilms.com is is the place to be, um, and you can find all the links to our social media stuff from there. But yeah, generally, just love to chat to people and stuff like get in touch, uh, add me on Facebook. Uh, just love to meet other independent filmmakers and let's make stuff together. Superb, Stuart. Thank you very much for bringing Deep Rising um, to the to this forum. I absolutely love the film, as I've said. Um, yeah, it's always a treat to revisit Deep Rising, so I, I'm glad that I uh, I'm glad that you brought it along. It no, thank just... you so much for inviting me on. I fucking love talking about this film, and a chance to kind of <laughs> make a case for it over over like an hour is great because I can just talk shit. <laughs> Yay! That's what, that's what we like. It's, that's and, that's um, encouraged. I, I realized as well when um, when I introduced the film, I never even said the name of the film, and you had to fill it in as well. <laughs> By the way, it's talking about Deep Rising, guys. Yeah, because I, cause I normally do it, and I, just, I was like, and after we started talking, I was like, fuck's sake, I've forgotten as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. But I think no, we all agreed. Great, guys. I think we all came down on the positive side of Deep Rising. We would, we would advise everyone yeah. to go and check it out. Oh yeah, uh, if you haven't already, go get on it. Even if you don't, even if you leave not being a huge fan, you're not going to leave without being entertained. Yeah, you'll be entertained if nothing else. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Stuart, thanks a lot for your time, and we'll see you at Fright Fest. Thanks, guys. I'll see you there. See you. See you. Good luck with the rest of your post. Cheers, guys. <laughs> see you later. So, one of my more interesting first watches there, I think. <laughs> I'm really glad you enjoyed it. Yeah, me too. I think with stuff like this, I'm never really sure what... Uh, I'm never really sure going in how I'm going to feel about something. I guess you never are entirely, but you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Like, um, yeah, my history with films like this is pretty up and down. So, I'm glad I enjoyed it, because I... Obviously, Stuart had chosen it, and you'd been pretty vocal about the fact that you were into it. So, um, off the back of that, I was like, kind of hoping I would get something out of it, but no, it's a lot of fun. And I think that there's a self-awareness to it that I think that judging by its critical reception, people don't really give it credit for. Yeah, definitely. So. Yeah, and it is, uh, like I said, it's just a, a hoot. I have a great time with Deep Rising. Every yeah, time it's a I blast. Watch it. yeah. um, and it's a film that I will definitely go back to many, many times. I think I said it in the Leviathan episode that I love Deep Rising. I've said it today. Um, it's fucking excellent um, and definitely worth your time. Yeah, no, definitely. I'll go back to it at some point, I think. And also, um, Stuart, a uh, great guest as well. Looking, yeah. for, looking forward to checking out his film. Absolutely. Yeah, and if you Monsters. are attending Fright Fest, then do try and get along to Book of Monsters if you can. And if you do, get there please uh, also, yeah, check out check out Dave Malcolm's Mannequins, which uh, is playing right before it. Can't um, wait to see that too. It's his, it's his first short, which was produced by me. So yeah, check it out. Yeah, and uh, I suppose that's just about it once again. God, yep, just like that, it's over. Yeah, it's flown by tonight. Yeah. Uh, so if you want to get in touch with uh, thoughts, comments, feedback, you can do. There's loads of ways to do that. Facebook and Instagram, we've got Strong Language Violent Scenes. You can tweet us as well at PC, and you can always email us at StrongLanguageViolentScenes at gmail.com. Yep, and if you want to put us into your ear holes, you can do that on Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Podbean. Indeed you can. And we'll be back this Monday Yeah. at 8am BST for another mini-sode. Yep, and uh, which I think I might institute the new segment. Yes, that we spoke about, that we teased. Yep. Uh, and I'll, t- I'll tell you a little bit about it now. 
Okay, go. Um, it's called Mitch's Pitches. <laughs> we all know by this point that Mitch has seen fuck all. That is, that's Mitch correct. has got no idea about any films that are out there. That's that's mostly true. So what we're going to do <laughs> like, is... Like, 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 I can qualify this a little bit. I'm not a fucking moron. <laughs> no, like, you're not. You're like, not. Like, uh, I, like, I would say like pre-2000-ish, I would say that like it's a little bit hit or miss for me. Okay. Which is, in fact, you know what? It is inexcusable. <laughs> Never mind. So the idea for Mitch's Pitches was born from a suggestion um, which came from a friend of ours. Yes. Um, basically what's going to happen is I'm going to show Mitch the cover art for a DVD and Mitch presumably won't have seen it. I will honestly verify if I how much I know about it beforehand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Mitch, based on nothing else but the box art, will attempt to figure out what the plot of the film is. I'll give it my best guess. I really like this idea. I really like this idea. Yeah, no, let's definitely do it. Yeah, but so we'll be debuting Mitch's pitches on Monday, <laughs> alongside uh, all the usual stuff uh, that you get with the new uh, minisodes. Yeah, yeah, including what I'm hoping is some progress through the Shockwaves 100. I can confirm that there will be at least some progress on the Shockwaves 100. I did pledge three films. I'm looking good. I'm in a good position to hit three films. Okay, cool. Cool, so two, you're at two then. Correct, I've seen two. At the point of recording yeah, this, you're at two. Yeah, I've seen two. Right, okay. So, um, which, so I'm, I'm, I'm flying out of the gate this week. <laughs> Superb. This, 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 could be, this could be something special. Yeah, you never know. Um, who knows yeah. how many I'll have racked up by uh, by Monday. I mean, the smart money's on three, but who knows? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, join us on Monday for an, another mini-sode, Mitch's Pitches. Uh, feedback. Feedback, podcast recommendations, Shockwave 100, and, of course, to find out the guest and film for next week's show. Yeah. All this and maybe more, who knows? But in the meantime, don't forget that it is better to die a hero than live as food in a world of charts. Good night. Good night. You've been listening to Strong Language and Violent Scenes with Andy Stewart and Mitch Bain. Strong Language and Violent Scenes theme by Mitch Bain. Production and artwork by Andy Stewart. Find us on Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts and Podbean. 